Welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're talking to one of my good Facebook friends, Roma Waterman. Uh, Roma, uh, I was first introduced to when I was in my early 20s, I believe. Uh, I was doing a Christian radio show at Coffs Harbour and I used to play her music on the, on the show then. Roma must have been in her early teens then as well, I'm sure. <laughs> You're my new best friend. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know Roma, she's uh, a singer-songwriter based in Melbourne and uh, an author, founder of the Melbourne Gospel Choir. She's been a vocal coach on TV shows like The X Factor and uh, really is um, a, uh, a talent uh, in uh, the Christian music scene and the worship music scene uh, internationally. Uh, firstly, welcome to History Makers, Roma. Oh, thank you for having me. I've listened to History Makers for a long time, so yeah. I feel very honoured to be interviewed. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Okay, well, I always like to go uh, from the beginning. So tell us a little bit about your family upbringing and uh, how did you become a Christian? How did all that start? Well, I was four when I decided that when I grew up I was going to sing. I come from a a very big Italian family, so music was central. Music and food were the two important (laughs) things in my family. And so a big extended family and, you know, I just remember the piano accordion coming out that my grandfather, my nonno, had bought in the World War. He was a prisoner of war um, from the Italian army and ended up in America for three years and um, had this piano accordion from all those years ago and he used to bring it out and sing all the old Italian love songs and so I was just absolutely passionate about family and music from an early age and in fact there's a photo of me when I was four years old sitting at one of those baby toy grand pianos and my my uncle teaching me green sleeves to this day I hate that song because I had to learn it so so much when I was little but um, that was my background and then um, we grew up in the Roman Catholic Church as all good Italian kids do when I was about eight years old um, we had a tragedy happen in my family my uncle passed away very unexpectedly and it really led my mother and her sister to searching for more and we ended up down at Frankston at this little Pentecostal church by the beach where revival was breaking out. So this, this, I still remember the room that they used to meet in this church and it would be packed to the rafters and singing songs full of life and love and, and I still remember the first time we ever went there and, and hearing all the testimonies of how Jesus had healed people and Jesus had saved people and I sat in my seat as a 10 year old just going I, I want what these people have got and my mum went up the front and gave a heart to the Lord and I went with her and I've never looked back <laughs> well okay so all through your teenage years uh, you were a follower of Jesus and did you did you backslide did you go through the prodigal son party lifestyle or? <laughs> well would you believe I probably did that in my 20s when I was married yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I didn't rebel really badly, but I did I did do some pretty stupid things and, and also because I started off in music so early, I was 17 when I um, recorded my first demo, I was 20 when I released my first album and you know that scene, even you know I started off in Christian music and then ended up um, getting a publishing deal with Warner Music and working in the secular music industry and, and um I was very impressionable in my early 20s. I had lots of people telling me what they thought I needed to be like and so I started to kind of do what I thought people wanted me to do and be what people wanted me to be and I kind of rebelled a bit and did some really stupid things, you know, um, 
around my weight, for example, you know, that scene is quite unforgiving and I took laxatives for a year and um, had lots of issues with body image and um, became a pretty, not a very nice person for about five or six years and that, that also led me to a real doubt in my face. I wondered if God was really there and if God was really real because I'd believed all this stuff since I was a kid and never had any personal experience of who God was and, and then, um, I don't know if you've heard my story, Matt, but I actually... Um, I can talk the leg off a horse. I can talk forever. You'll have to interrupt. <laughs> you can just edit me, all right? <laughs> but I, in my late 20s, when I finally kind of discovered that my heart was really to preach the gospel through music, I started traveling a lot and um, ended up in America and really thought that Nashville was where I was going to be. And um, I remember putting my feet on Nashville soil and the Lord saying, this isn't the place for you. This is not where you're called to be. And, wow. and I remember just being devastated because that's what you did. If you were a Christian and you did Christian music, you went and lived in Nashville and had a very clear and direct word from God to say, this isn't the place to be. And so I really lost my way for a long time and um, ended up back home in Australia on a national tour and got very sick and diagnosed with fibromyalgia and endometriosis and was told I'd never sing again and I'd probably never tour or record any albums and I spent four years of my life in my pyjamas very sick and then thank God I love that scripture that says you know that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ and you know I could have stayed in that place but God actually miraculously healed me and so I feel like this second season of my life is a bit a bit like an awakening you know I feel so grateful that I can sing and I'm completely healed and well it's great so you had four years uh, really yeah. in the valley you know like Job you really you know lost everything uh, uh, career wise uh, what was the second coming of Roma like how, how did you change the second time around well well, it was interesting because um, I'd, without even realising, because my heart was in the right place, I really wanted to write songs that touched people, and so those those first two albums I recorded, People Change, and, and I say, what were they? Talking Eyes and Masquerade were. My heart was in the right place, but I was really trying to do what I thought people wanted. And then when I got very sick and I had those years off, I actually went into the studio and just recorded some acoustic songs, More Than Ice Cream is one of them, which people either love or hate. Oh, I remember that song. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It's a great song. <laughs> Thank you. Cause we, yeah, I'm a bit sick of it myself. But <laughs> anyway, um, at the time when I recorded this record, it was really, I had no intention of releasing it to the wider Christian market. It was just me exploring what I liked and doing stuff that wasn't for the sake of Christian radio charts and so I recorded this album it was very unique and um, very different and quite by accident that song got picked up somebody had heard it at a radio station somewhere in Geelong I think next thing you know within two months every station in the country was playing this song that had nothing to do with God <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny the song's actually all about meaning what you say and, and my husband and I have this saying which is I'll say to him do you love me and he'd say oh more than ice cream <laughs> and we've always had this little saying ever since we've been married and, and so that was the song that was what that song was about it was actually about meaning what you say and saying what you mean and next thing you know this album's you know in the top five and I just didn't know what to do with myself I was like God I really thought that season of my life was over and it started this whole new journey of um 
starting to travel again but with a different heart and I, I discovered through all of that and through my illness that my heart really was to worship and that's where I find myself now. I'm completely ingrained in worship and, and helping others worship who God is but also um, encouraging others to live a supernatural lifestyle. That is something what I, that I'm really passionate about that every day we can wake up and go God what is in store for me today? What is amazing that's going to happen today? And You know I've, I've had seasons in my life that I haven't understood but and there's a lot of things even to this day I don't understand but the thing that I know is that we will never be disappointed if we trust in him and that it's an incredible journey. Now, I've listened to a, a CD of yours recently where you've been speaking on uh, engaging the prophetic in worship, you know, so yeah. you're not just uh, the kind of worship leader that gets up and picks two fast songs and two slow songs and says a couple of nice uh, short sentences in between each song. You really like to flow with what God is doing in a in a church service and, and uh, some, some of our listeners mightn't be sure, uh, mightn't understand how that works. Do you just yeah. want to paint a picture for us? How does that work in, in a church setting or in a worship setting? Yes, well, I think, you know, the easiest way to explain it is when we pray in a church service, Oftentimes it's not scripted. If you're in a, in a contemporary church or a charismatic church, it's often not scripted. If someone says, let's pray, they pray from their heart. They pray spontaneously. And I think you can do the same thing as a songwriter, as a singer, as a worship leader. And I think there's something very tangible and very um, precious about that because what it does is it stops you relying on words that have been written and there's nothing wrong with that i actually think the balance is very important and i still incorporate well-known and loved worship songs in in my worship times when i'm leading but those moments where you just allow the space you allow space to either sing how you feel in your heart to the lord or you actually um, sing what you feel God wants to say to the people, I think those times keep you on your toes. That's the first thing. And I think that's important because I don't know about you, but growing up in church, we become very uh, lazy and can switch off very easily. As soon as the worship starts, I've done it heaps of times. I've walked into a church service that's fantastic and I've realized 20 minutes later I haven't even engaged or connected because my mind is just so used to singing these words and looking at a screen. And I don't ever want to take that for granted, especially when there's countries in the world where it's forbidden to even worship in a public setting. We are so blessed in Australia and, and in Western nations to be able to worship him in a public way. And so... That spontaneous worship, that prophetic worship, it's not meant to be weird or strange. It's just meant to be very heartfelt and um, expressive. And I know it's not for everyone, but it's something I really enjoy doing. Now, I've noticed uh, your church, C3, uh, down in, in Melbourne, uh, in Whitehorse, uh, you know, you get a lot of great artists through. Like, uh, I went to the States last year and uh, went to this big cool prayer gathering, and, you know, they had Rick Pino and yeah. Brian and Jen Johnson and, you know, all these incredible artists. The, the same kind of artists you get through through your church. Yeah. Um, it's like God's raising up a new generation of, of worship leaders. Tell us about how you fit into that picture. Oh gosh, that's, oh, yeah, that's a big question, Matt. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never thought about that. I've never thought, do I fit in this? I, I just love doing it, and I kind of, I'm at a space in my life now where I just say to the Lord, look, if you want me to be a forerunner, I would gladly do it. But if you don't, I'm still going to live my life exactly the same way. Still going to record albums. I'm still going to lead worship with as much passion, whether one person's listening or the whole world's listening. And so. 
you know, I kind of don't know where I'm headed or, or what kind of influence I have or will have, and I'm all right with that. I, I think it's, it's a danger that can happen in the Christian music industry is that you just, it's, it, without realising you become concerned about how your music sounds and how it's affecting people, and really I just want, want my life to be an offering to the Lord. I don't know where that'll go, but... I just hope it's pleasing to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you've uh, really tried to push the boundaries. You know, you know some of those artists I talked about, mm. uh, they don't just like to do, you know, the, a normal set of songs. They, they want to, you know, play spontaneously. They want to, yes. you know, have radical stuff during their, their, their performances and their concerts and, you know, their worship events. Um, yes. and, and, you know, you, you talk a lot about the God artists. Tell us what, wh- where you're coming from when you, when, when you write about that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, so you're referring to the book that I just wrote, The God Artist. And um, it's a it's a term that I I coined about um, being a creative person who follows after God's culture rather than our modern day culture. I don't think there's there's nothing wrong with being influenced by great bands or being influenced by the people around you, whether they're Christian or not Christian. You know, I think that we our culture it's just natural for us to be influenced by those things. But when they overtake the call on our lives or when they overtake what we were born to do, and that's happened to me and that's why I'm so passionate about it, then I go, we're missing out on what we are truly created for. So for me, that whole spontaneous prophetic worship thing feels like putting on an old pair of slippers. I could do that for four hours straight, and I have done that for four hours straight, and I'll feel completely refreshed by the end. But if you ask me to go on tour and do a 45-minute set in a show in every town in, in Australia, I, I would be exhausted after the first night. And, and I realised it's because I was being the kind of artist that I thought people wanted me to be, but being a God artist is going, God, what do you want me to be? And so I wrote the book actually to learn myself, to go, well, what is a God artist? What kind of characteristics um, encapsulate what a God artist is? And in, in doing so, I realized there were so many other people wanting to know this stuff. So the book was really fascinating to me, all the study that I did, just learning, you know, things like discipline are important and... Um, then things like knowing where we come from, what's our history, what's the history of the arts in the church. So actually the second half of the book is a study, a very brief study of the history of the arts in the church from the beginning of time till now. And so we go through the Renaissance period and, and talk about people like Beethoven. And uh, it's just so interesting to see why we are where we're at, but also people that were God artists through the centuries and how they impacted the nations but also experienced a lot of turmoil and a lot of attack. And so it's really, that's what a God artist is to me, is a person that stands up and says, God, I will be what you want me to be, regardless of how this looks or if it goes against the grain. Well, you know, there's some artists who are, you know, just uh, doing it for the paycheck and, and doing it to please popular culture. And, there, and then there are some who are constantly pushing the boundaries and, uh, you know, reaching out to God, being creative. And, you know, you certainly fit into that latter mould, uh, Roma. And I'm so glad to uh, have a chance to chat with you today. We've got to wrap it up in a moment. Uh, but I just wanted to, uh, I always ask my guests, uh, you know, there might be people listening that aren't Christians that might be thinking, you know what, I love hearing this girl talk about her passion and her healing and how she connects with God and, you know, people might want to connect with God somehow, become a Christian. Would you speak to those listeners about how they would do that? Yes, definitely. Well, I think the greatest thing about God and about Christianity 
is that it's not a religion, it's a relationship. So all that is required of us is to have our heart open and God will speak. And so I'd say to those people, if you want to know more about God, just ask him. Ask him to show himself to you. Just say, God, I don't really understand who you are. I don't understand what you're about. But I would like to know if you're real. I'd like to know um, more about you. And I can guarantee that he will speak. And I think the other thing I'd say too is that I really believe that all of us were created in God's image. Whether, you know, whether you're in whether you believe in Islam or you're, you know, I just think that we were all created by God and he has the grace and the respect for every person of every nation and every belief and that he he's not the kind of God that just says, well, you've done this, this and this, so I'm not I'm not interested in knowing you. He is, he is just waiting for for you to, to, to open up your heart to him. It's as simple as that. Well, I've seen it so many times, and I'm sure you have. When people open up their heart to him, you know, uh, their lives change. And uh, yes. uh, if people want to um, uh, get in contact with you, Roma, uh, the website, uh, romawaterman.com, is that the best yep. place to go? Yep, definitely. And also they can look you up on Facebook and Twitter. And um, right. I notice they can listen to some of your MP3s on the website too. So uh, if you'd like to find out more, just go to romawaterman.com. And... Uh, Roma, I just wanted to say, I reckon you're a history maker and we love you more than ice cream. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to download this interview, just go to www.historymakersradio.com. And also, you can make a donation if you'd like. I'm Matt Prater. Have a great week. History Makers. History Makers.